Hello and welcome to the Get Italian Football News podcast. I'm your host, Sam Brooks. Today I'm joined by Francesco Amesbury. How are you doing, Francesco? I'm good, thanks, Sam. You okay? Yeah, all good, thank you. Uh, Raphael Jukabin, how are you doing, Rafa? I'm doing well, thanks. Top stuff. And James Brook, how are you doing, James? Buonasera, Sam. I'm good, thank you, mate. How are you? Looking forward to another chat with the boys. Oh, good. Yeah. Won't be much Italian from me, I'm afraid, but James has chucked some in there for, for those who do want a bit. Um, but we'll get straight to it. Um, and of course, we'll start with the league leaders, and that's Inter. They uh, had quite a tricky um, game. In fact, well, they've actually played twice over the past week, beating Sassuolo 2-1 and then Cagliari 1-0. What did you make of their two performances, Francesco? Um... I think they they've been very solid. They've been very solid. They haven't been set in the world like with extremely sexy football of late, but they've been very solid. And um, you know, they deserve credit for that. Um I think this weekend they actually uh joined Juve as the best defence in the league and certainly in the last few weeks that has been their strong point. Um they've not conceded uh they've hardly conceded any goals in the kind of the last since the turn of the year. And um I, th- I actually think against Kayadi, they were also, you know, they created quite a few chances. Um, they didn't score until late on, but before that, you know, the Kayadi keeper made quite a few saves. They also hit the crossbar. So they were they were playing some football. Um, and yeah, I think they just look extremely solid at the moment, very good defensively, and, and that's what's keeping them top of the league. Yeah, I was going to... You, you sort of said how they weren't spectacular this weekend. Just coming on to uh, you, Raphael, there's been a, quite a bit of talk over the past week about how it's a lot more sort of substance over style with Inter at the moment. They're not particularly great to watch. They're averaging, you know, they have, they're having less of the ball than their opponents in most of their games. And it's been a lot of sort of 1-0 churning out results. H- how do you see that sort of talk? Do you think just like, you know, results are fine, so that that's no issue at all? Or do you think that Interspans, you know, looking ahead to next season, perhaps, when they're back in the stadium, will be wanting a bit more from their team in terms of entertainment? Yeah, I think this season they wouldn't really mind too much because like, the objective is winning the league, whatever, you know, however that's done. I don't think they really care. Um, but definitely, I think moving forward, they'll probably want, you know, now that, now that the league is in the back, uh, they'll want to sort of see a bit of, bit of development in the play. Um, I think in general, you know, pragmatic play is what wins you league titles. I mean, you know, Juventus tried to switch it up after after Allegri by bringing in Sarri and sort of, you know, maybe, yeah, maybe just changing up the football a bit. And that clearly didn't work out. Um, we saw it with Sarri's Napoli team as well. Generally speaking, those type those types of teams don't don't win the league. They don't. They're not. They're not clinical enough. They're not pragmatic enough. And yeah, realistically, it's you know if you look at it more generally, it is a it is a trade off between you know playing good football and and um, well grinding out results and it's a bit it's I know it's it's a, it's a philosophical debate. In a way, you've just on a more on a more general in a more general sense when you you know when you look at when you look at different managers and how the what they prioritize in their play. So, 
I think Conte has, you know, he's he's delivered the he's delivered what what was expected of him at least in in the league by you know by playing the way that he had to. So in that sense, I don't think they'll have too much to complain about the Inter fans for now at least. Maybe they want to, they want things to change. Yeah, certainly, certainly not to complain about. I mean, they're going to win their first league title in in eleven years. It looks like. Um, but just mm. sort of, I'll, I'll come on to you now, James. Just sort of looking back to his time in England, for example, when he was at Chelsea. You know, they won the first, they won the title in his first season using quite a similar approach, and then he tried to sort of do the same again, and they finished. You know, I think outside the top four that next year. So, do do you think that? he will have to, you know, maybe be a little bit more expansive and think outside the box a bit more? Or do you expect him to approach things exactly the same and, and hope that that will be good enough again next year? Well, I, I expect him to approach it exactly the same, actually, yeah. And he's got enough in the bank throughout his whole career to show that that approach, the Conte approach, is a good one to take. Uh, it doesn't always roll into the next year. It doesn't always work over the long term. But as Raf said, it, it, it's absolutely imperative that they just got over the line and won it. Now that they've done that, it will be interesting to see how they approach it. I think a lot depends on the other teams, to be honest, and how good they are next season. I think this season was... I mean, it, it'd be interesting to see what how people would have reacted into fans and, and the rest of the league had, or the inter-hierarchy had into not done what they've done this season. Just because... I feel like they have to win it. Everybody else is a little bit in kind of transition. Juve obviously aren't quite, they're on a little bit of a reset. Milan aren't really kind of title, title winning side. I think we can all probably agree on that, no matter how good they are in patches. So I think they had to really win it this season. Um, and it depends, you know, Juve are going to be, a, probably we expect them to be a slightly bit different beast next year. Whether Pirlo's there or not, I think they're going to come strongly. Uh, Napoli, we don't know who's going to be there as well, but <clears throat> the squad that they've got will come again. Um, Atalanta, we've spoken last week about whether they're in the cycle, whether at the end of the cycle, whether they can go again. I don't think it's going to be quite so comfortable for Inter next season. So a lot depends on how other teams are approaching and, um, and they'll react to that. I'm sure they will. But if you're asking Conte to change, I think you're going to be, you're going to be waiting a rather long time, really. Just, just one thing I wanted to add quickly about uh, about this Inter side, Sam. Whilst uh, they don't always play the most attractive football, there have been games, big games, where they have really been quite spectacular. If you think back to the Milan derby, the second Milan derby, they were excellent in that game, scored some brilliant goals, really fluid football. The same against Ulva. So some of the biggest matches uh, in the season, they've actually peaked in terms of the quality of their football as well. And I guess that is kind of what you get with contests. Sometimes it is quite exciting, dynamic football. Other times it's more pragmatic. And like uh, James has just said, I think that is going to be the approach for them. And, uh, you know, so far it's been pretty effective. I think it, <clears throat> sorry, I think it depends what you're looking for as well, doesn't it? Because they have been so good defensively 
Um, I mean, some people, I mean, I, I do, I find that enjoyable to watch. It's, there's nothing better than seeing a properly well-drilled team. And they're, they're kind of supreme in all areas at the moment. And that's, that is great to watch. And whether it's style over substance, you know, it depends on the, on a personal preference, really. You know, we've seen it with the Inter with a new badge now. Um, they've kind of tried to go for style over substance with that in a way. And I don't think that's been too hotly received. So, yeah, it, it's personal preference, isn't it? But there, I think there's a lot to be said for, for watching a team that's so well drilled and everybody knows their jobs. And that's what Inter are at the moment. Yeah, I think that's really good points there because I think, um, you know, I've just seen it being debated quite a lot over the past week and you'd think the way that some people are going on that, you know, it was like watching Newcastle play or something. <laughs> um, it's certainly not that. They do have some excellent players and, and it's it's not bad to watch at all. But uh, yeah, well, it'll be very interesting to see how Inter do pick up next season, especially if they go a bit further in Europe and have to, you know, balance things after Christmas. Um, but now we're going to move on to uh, Milan. Uh, they played Palmer this weekend. Uh, I think, Francesco, you tipped this to be a bit of an upset, actually, but didn't turn out that way. Milan, in the end, got a, got a 3-1 win. Was a close game, that third goal coming right at the end. Um how did you see it? Were you impressed with Milan, given that you thought this could be a bit of a banana skin for them? Yeah, I was. And, um, you know, that's not the first time I've been caught out by them this season. I felt, certainly since Christmas, I keep feeling like they're about to go on a bad run of results uh, because they've had a mediocre result or a poor performance the week before. And uh, I expect them to get beat. And it was the same, you know, when they played Roma, I thought they were going to get beat. And then they show up again like they were, you know, in, in 2020. Um, and it is impressive. I think, uh, you know, it was another good performance. They were, they immediately took control of the game. They scored early. They were two goals up by halftime. You know, if, if Ibrahimovic hadn't got sent off, it would have been comfortable as well in the second half. And um, I think the issue for Milan at the moment is, is not so much the fact that they can put in these performances because we know they can, but they're not able to with the same consistency that they were before Christmas. Um, and it's whether they're going to be able to do that now till the end of the season. Yeah, that, that will be the issue. And of course, you mentioned Zlatan getting sent off, um, having, having been involved in the first two goals. Um, he then he then did get sent off in the second half. Um, it looks like he's probably not going to be able to overturn it. For, from the from the understanding, he got sent off for for um, you know a language uh, possible blasphemy. But there's been some debate over whether he was misheard. What what do you make of the whole situation, Raphael? Well, from what I saw, I think he was a bit hard done by in terms of um, in terms of what what was said after the game as well about those about those comments I mean from what I've seen um, I mean I'll throw in some Italian myself as well uh, <laughs> he said he said mi sembra strano eh? which means um, it's, it, that looks weird to me that seems that seems strange to me he's talking about a foul which uh, which the ref gave a free kick for for uh, in Palmer's favour and the ref apparently heard that as sei un bastardo which doesn't really need translating Right, and um, yeah, I, I, it's 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 a tough one because obviously the ref was seemed to be convinced that he heard he heard the latter. You know, um, I mean, Pioli after the game he was saying that you know Ibrahimovic told me that he was uh, that he's he's innocent that he didn't he didn't offend the referee in any way. But 
yeah it's one of those where you, if there's there's no there's no clear consensus on it so maybe he was a bit hard done by but i mean apparently he was he was sort of slating the ref throughout the whole game anyway so up yeah, until that believe. point it was probably just <laughs> just an accumulation what uh, just just on what Ruff said there um because I think when he was, some people are saying that when he said he's saying to the ref, uh, it's because he'd just given a free kick and he didn't give the foul on Zlatan and he gave the foul on someone else. And he said, it seems like he's saying it seems strange. And he's saying it sarcastically as in, it seems strange that now you've started refereeing the game because you never usually bother. Is that not what it was? <laughs> it might have been actually. I mean, I, it, that's the thing. No one really knows what was said. In, in Italy, this, they, they've been using this phrase they've been using the phrase disrespectful full phrase. That's how they've been describing it. So they don't really know what he said. They don't even know if he swore or if he actually insulted him. I, I think for me, it's just, um, and some of the things that, that people have been saying is that it sets a precedent, you know, for, for a referee to, to, to send someone off. And we know in the past, you've seen the recordings, you see the lip reading, that people say things that are definitely bad, that you, that, you know, heavy swearing towards the referee. And nothing happened. So I don't know if going forwards now, if we, if we see those kinds of exchanges between referees and players, then then they're going to lead sendings off. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I think certainly uh, if that was to happen in like a derby d'Italia or a Milan derby, would we see a player sent off for that? I'm I'm not too sure. Do you have some thoughts on it, James? What do you think? Well, no, I I, I couldn't understand what had gone on actually, but I I was just going to say I know you you kind of slated Zlatan last week. I thought he was much better. Um, it's a bit unfortunate, It'll really. I don't know how long. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know how long this band's going to be for. Is it is it going to be three games or because it was you know he he kind of he made, he made those first two goals really for Milan. So you know it's it's a bit of a shame for him if then having got back to some kind of level. I know only for 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 an hour or so. Um, it'd be a shame if he's then going to miss miss a little bit of... It's a crucial time of the season as well. I mean, it's a ridiculous thing to get sent off for. Um, you know, he's got form in this kind of thing. So it's uh, it, it, he's let them down if you want to look at it that way. But, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a crucial time of the season and they do need him. So just, can I, you know, in that kind of respect, I think it's... Um, it's maybe more serious than I know. It's an easy thing to make light of, but it's a uh, it's a it's a very silly thing to get sent off for, and it and it couldn't come at a worse time really for for him or for Milan. Yeah, I mean, I'm not sure about the length of the ban. I think that's still possibly being worked out at the moment. But um, if he does miss out, he's he's really missed about half the season in the end because he's yeah. had two sort of hamstring injuries. So as much as there's been this talk about how crucial he is, Milan have had to do half the work without him. Yeah. Um, but of course, I'm sure Zlatan does listen to this podcast because I did ask him to step his game up last week. Yeah, you and, did. And he did. And he did. So um, I didn't ask him to insult referees, however. Um, but yeah, well, I'm, I'm, yeah <laughs> just want to come on to something that, you know, we've, we've talked about how a really good result for Milan, but something perhaps slightly more negative. And I know we, we touched on sort of contract negotiations last week with Milan. Uh, I'll, I'll come to Francesco first on this one. Um, over the past sort of couple of weeks, there's been talks that their negotiations with Donnarumma, Romagnoli, Chalanoglu, and now Kessier aren't going very well. Is, is that a bit of a concern that Milan have sort of built this team and this really young team, I hasten to add, but some of their key players 
you know, their contracts are running down. Three of those, uh, sorry, I think a couple of those players are out of contract this year and I think a couple are out, are out next year. I think it's a huge concern for Milan because I feel like they, you know, over the last 18 months, they've done a really good job of of getting the best out of these players, of creating a team with huge potential because we're talking about young players as well. And um, it would be a real shame if they weren't able to keep hold of them. Um, you know, I think the chances are some might go. I think there's a good chance now that Donnarumma will go. Um, but I also think a lot of it is dependent. I think, understandably, these players want to play in the Champions League and a lot of it is dependent on Champions League qualification. I think if Milan are able to qualify for the Champions League, that's going to make these kinds of negotiations a lot easier because they're going to have the appeal of playing Champions League football, but also a little bit more money to play with. Um, and yeah, it feels like at the moment there is loads at stake for Milan in these in these next few weeks. Um, in terms of Donnarumma, he's, I mean, that that is what's come out, I think, this week that he, you know, one of the biggest things for him is not so much the money, although I'm sure it's a factor, it's the fact that he wants to play in the Champions League and that could be a deal breaker if they're not able to qualify. Um, the only thing I'd say on that is they might not know if uh, if they're going to be in the Champions League until the last of the season. I mean, there's a there's a genuine chance that this this uh, Champions League race goes right to the end of the season. So I don't know if in terms of a time constraint, that's going to be a problem as well because, you know, his contract is up. Uh, essentially, I think team uh, teams can start making offers for him and it's going to be interesting to see what happens there. Yeah, I mean, with, with the Donnarumma one, I think the last thing I read was that Maldini has basically said we can't offer more and the ball's in his court. And if you think that he is waiting to see if they make the Champions League, if that goes to the final day, they've essentially probably got two weeks to negotiate something because then he's straight off to the Euros. So that that will be fascinating. Uh, and, and I think Kessier is the latest one uh, that sort of put a load of Premier League clubs on alert from what I've been reading. Uh, I don't know about you guys, but for me, he's been Milan's best player this season in terms of consistency across the whole campaign. So that, that would be a huge loss for them. Um, but I'm now going to move on to Palmer uh, just briefly about them. Raphael, they're now seven points adrift of safety. I know you've sort of had concerns about them for a while. But do you think this weekend was a really pivotal one for them with, with a couple of other results elsewhere going against them and, and maybe that's sort of a final nail in the coffin for their relegation? Yeah, exactly. I think it was I think it was pivotal for them, not so much because of what happened in their game, but because of what happened in the other games. I think the gap between them and, and, uh, and Torino is probably too big now, especially when you look at you can probably say that Torino have turned a corner by now and they're gonna they're gonna grind out a few more wins before the end of the season. Um I think, you know, teams like Benevent are probably probably just about safe. So I don't think they can be they can be overtaken. And the fact that you have got Cagliari ahead of them as well. So I think you know what what's happening on the pitch in terms of their in terms of their play isn't necessarily concerning but it's not enough to to sort of trigger a massive you know a massive upturn in fortunes even if they were to go on a decent run get a few wins here and there it's not going to be enough so yeah i, I can't see them i can't see them surviving past uh, past this season it's a shame it's a shame but yeah I, it's, it's, I, it's... yeah 
Yeah, I was just going to say, it seems they probably left themselves a little bit too much to do. Um, and they did have that period, you know, over the last couple of months where they, if they had just hung on to a couple more leads uh, in those in those dying minutes, it could have been different. But now it looks it's going to it looks like it's going to be a tough one for them. Um, but I'm now going, to, now we're going to move on to you know we're slowly working our way down the league, and we're going to go to Juve now, who are in third place. They've had two wins over the past week. I know, James, you predicted they'd lose 3-0 to Napoli last week, uh, despite being at home. A, a bold claim <laughs> and a wrong one, but there we go. Um, but but uh, how did you see it? I, I thought Juve, their performance against Napoli was one of their better ones in recent times. Is, is that how you saw things? And do you think perhaps they slightly turned a corner maybe over the past week? Yeah, I thought I was going to... Yeah, well, I was keeping quiet. I knew you were gonna gonna mention that. It was, eh, it was a bold claim. It could have it could have gone either way. Yeah, a massive win. Obviously, it had to be a good performance because Napoli were were looking relative. I mean, maybe not rampant, but they were really playing well. So it had to be a, a big performance from you. But I didn't know. I didn't think they had that in them, to be honest. And maybe that was just foolish uh, from my part. But I didn't see this kind of performance coming. I think it was a, a fairly even game. Um, it was swung on, you know, a couple of, well, for me, the difference was Federico Chiesa, as he has been for much of the season for Juve. I think he was excellent. And um, and without him, I, I think they possibly would have already fallen out of the Champions League places. So that for uh, the assist for the Ronaldo opener was absolutely delightful. Wonderful piece of, um, of wing play. So, Again, he's yeah. For me, he's been the difference maker. But a massive week again, back to back wins. It's really just got the feel good factor a little bit back. Um, I don't know how much in danger they really were of falling out of the top four necessarily, but it, it does have a feeling of such a big couple of results for them. Um, maybe turn turn the corners probably too early to say, um, and the form was relatively patchy anyway. So. I don't, I don't know whether they've turned the corner, but I know that yeah, two massive results and get against Napoli, you know, it had to be, and it was a, a huge win for them in the end. Yeah, yeah, it's it's interesting that you say like, oh, you're not sure if they're in danger of dropping out the top four because yeah. I, I sort of had a glance at the table again on the weekend, and it's it's really really tight. Like you know, yeah. I, I've sort of been thinking, oh, Atalanta are definitely going to get top four, and then I realised they're actually only one or two points above Napoli. So, yeah. what what do you think, Francesco? Are, are you now a bit more confident that Juve will make that top four, or, or could you easily see them dropping out at, at Napoli's or even Lazio's expense? I'm I'm still not convinced by by what Pirlo's doing. I still think he, he doesn't know what his best 11 is. It's still got a lot of changing going going on. And, um, you know, they weren't totally convincing against Genoa. I think there was definitely a period in the game when Genoa came close, had some big chances, could have equalised. But the Napoli result was huge. And for me, the thing that makes me confident that, that they're going to finish in the top four is I think they're going to finish above Milan. I think they're only a point behind Milan, and from here until the end of the season, I, I expect them to get more points than Milan. So I think I think they're going to be okay. Um, yeah, I think they'll finish in the top four. I don't, you know, it's so hard to know what the other teams are going to do. But Atalanta and, and Napoli, in terms of form over the last ten games, they've been the second and best sides in, in the league after Inter. So they, they are both on really good runs. I know that Napoli lost against Juve, but that is, you know, I think that was their first in, in the last six. They've won five. So. They're both doing really well. 
I, I, it's Milan, I think, the team that are in danger of being caught by everyone. And I, and I expect Juve to finish above them. So, yeah, I do think they're going to finish in the top four. It's so difficult because, obviously, it's, it's a, I've forgotten it's a huge game this weekend, isn't it? Atalanta-Juve, um, a massive game. And it's tempting to say at this stage of the season, whoever loses that is... is um, or whoever wins that is probably safe and, and will get top four. But then again, it's so tight that it's... It's so difficult to make that kind of call, isn't it? You can't. These games kind of come. They seem to come around the corner all the time now, and it's you can't say for sure. Somebody, if somebody say if Juve beat Atlanta, that's what four points between them and Atlanta, uh, five points maybe between Napoli, depending if they win. But you can't really say that's enough. It's it's so difficult to call, and these teams seem to fluctuate. I mean, Atlanta, Napoli have been fairly consistent. But, you know, they still find themselves in fourth and fifth. So these teams seem to fluctuate a lot that we just can't call. We go around in circle and you, you just can't predict it, can't you? It's, uh, it's brilliant, really. I mean, for me, what will probably pull them through into the, into the top four places is the fact that everyone, everyone in the squad seems to be on board with Pirlo, more or less. I think when you look at the three, the three goal scores at the weekend, you probably couldn't have had... He probably couldn't have wished for three better better players. Kulusevski really needed a goal. He's, he's been, well, since he since he arrived at Juventus, he's been struggling for forming a lot of uh, it. His form has been quite patchy. Um, Morata has been on a bit of a bit of a dry spell as well since the turn of the year. Then McKenney, he's, he's been playing well, but he obviously had that, that off-pitch off issue, which um, which he was sort of punished for by the by the club it seems like there is a bit of a of a feel-good factor at Juventus which will probably you know see them pull through I think the only only downside seems to be with Ronaldo sort of having um I mean yeah he had a bit of a tantrum at the end of the game threw his shirt to the floor because his teammates weren't passing to him and then yeah, there, there was there was a bit of a debate over what that was because I saw that was what was originally reported but then I saw that like the ball boy had asked for his shirt and he'd thrown it away and then bought a bit better of it or something like that. I don't know. It was all a bit, it, mm. I think it sort of depends on whether you're pro or anti Ronaldo. Some people were saying he was acting like a spoiled child and others were saying he being really lovely to the ball boy or something. So maybe somewhere in the middle, but yeah, it's a different, yeah. different um, perspective, I guess. <clears throat> yeah, we shall see. But it's it's been a good week for you, Ben. We haven't said that too often in 2021, actually. Um, but now we're going to move on to, to Atalanta, who are in that fourth spot currently. And and this was one of the most entertaining games of the weekend. Um, I'll, I'll come to you, uh, James, first on this one. Um, this was a sort of game of two halves because Atalanta raced into a two-goal lead, pegged back to two-all and then straight back into lead and managed to hang on for a 3-2 win. Um, is it a slight concern, though, that they're not sort of making their dominance count in certain stages? Because really, the first half against Fiorentina, it should have probably been three or four and, and game over, but it, but it wasn't and they nearly paid for it. Yeah, it is a little bit, actually. I mean, I'm kind of... I know Francesco, and I remember him saying a few weeks back that you watch Atalanta and you just you just don't expect them to lose. And I do feel the same way, actually. They, they just they fill me with such confidence, and I can't really explain that. They, they just do. But it is slightly concerning because it's, what, two weeks in a row now? They've, they've, well, they've won 3-2, haven't they? And been more or less in control. 
but still not convinced. So it is a little bit of a concern. It will be a concern, especially because they haven't been so dominant as we saw last season where they were steamroller inside. They haven't been so dominant. So there is a there is a vulnerability there, um, which is a it's it's disappointing to see really because they've got so much. I really rate Romero and and they have so, so many good players there, but they just they do look like they've got a soft centre. Um, but I, I've still fully never expected that they would lose that game. You know, I just thought they'd go on then have a have a couple of goals and then we'll just pick you off at the end. It, it still it feels that way to me. Like they just toy with teams a little bit. Um, I'm sure Atalanta fans don't feel that way at all. I'm sure that they're, uh, you know, going blue in the face when, it, when they've thrown away leads like that. But I'm with Francesco that I fully expect them to come through any challenge like that. And Fiorentina, it's never really a good enough team to 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 challenge that I don't think to be honest they were just time with them yeah it was a strange one because you know they were in complete control and then all of a sudden you know within the space of I think about five minutes it was two all and it was sort of where the hell did that come from um one thing I wanted to check I'll, I'll, I'll come to you Francesco for this one at half time Gasparini substituted Romero it seems probably because he was on a yellow card I know that's something that Simone Inzaghi does quite a lot, and Lazio sort of protecting a player. Where do you stand on that, though? Do you think that maybe sometimes managers need to trust their players a bit more to, you know, rein themselves in rather than having to substitute that player? Because it did seem to make Atalanta quite a bit more vulnerable in that second half at the back. Uh, no, I actually think it's really smart. And it's, I, I, quite, I quite like it when managers do it because... Um, even though you can ask your players to control themselves, you, you know, you get sent off for nothing. They, they, the Fiorentina players were really furious that Romero hadn't been sent off for the original booking. They felt it was sent off. So the referee was already under huge pressure to, to send him off. And you just know that if he had done anything, every single foul, even small fouls, they would have been saying he needs to be booked and he needs to be sent off. And because of the type of player he is as well, he can be a bit of a hothead. He does like to get stuck into challenges. You know, I think there was a good chance he would have been sent off if he had stayed on the pitch. So, yeah, I think it's smart. I, I quite like it as a tactic. And I, I hate it generally when players get sent off anyway. I think it ruins matches. So, yeah, I don't mind it at all that, that Gasparini done that. I think it's a, it's a good idea. Yeah, certainly just about worked out for them in the end because they did get the three points, of course. Um, I've got a question for you, Raphael. Who's got the better left foot, Malinovsky or Vlahovic? Because, my goodness, they, they can both strike a football, those two, as we saw this weekend. Mm. I mean, I'll, I'll tell you what, that assist, that second, yeah, the assist for the second goal was just beautiful. But, yeah, I mean, it's great, it's great to see that Malinovsky has sort of taken up that sort of mantle as the uh, as the chief creator. I think generally the reason that Atalanta aren't performing, well, they, they aren't battering teams as they would would have last season is, I think you can sort of put that down to teething problems for the for this sort of new look squad because you know you you've got you've got a bit of a yeah but. The sort of the players who have been who've been just the stars of the Atalanta side for the last few years, you know, Gomez obviously has left. Ilicic isn't playing as, as big a role as he used to. They've sort of been phased out, and you've got this new look eleven, which you know is taking time to 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 take hold and just you know 
be be a bit more it's not as ruthless i would say as the uh, as the previous as the previous 11 especially in attack obviously um obviously you have got muriel and sabato i think they're the best strike partnership in in the league if you had if you had their goals together but yeah i th- i think I, I wouldn't say that there's too much of a, too much to worry about for atalanta on that front i think eventually it will sort of you know glue together and be maybe not as prolific as as they have been in past seasons but definitely up there i think the one thing they might have to worry about is apparently i've i've read today that gasparini might get a ban before the uh, the copa final yeah for, i saw this yeah intervening for a, on a on a because of doping control yeah, apparently intervened on a doping control and then like insulted the doping officer or something. So he, he could get a twenty gate a twenty day ban or something like that. Um, which sounds quite typical Gasparini, to be honest. I think we love his tactics, but I, I don't know. It's, it, when I when I saw it, I was like, yeah, that's that's Gasparini. Uh, so yeah, we will have to see how that pans out. You're right. Did, did you have something to add, James? Sorry. Sorry, yeah, I was just I was thinking long and hard about your question about the left foot of, uh, of Malinovsky or Vlahovic. Sorry, Rafa, I was completely zoned out. I think uh, it depends, doesn't it? It depends if you like uh, classical music or you like kind of heavy metal. I think Vlahovic <laughs> is more of a, you know, he just puts his foot through the ball, doesn't he? Malinovsky's got a bit more of a, a delicate kind of touch. So you can imagine a, a kind of a, a YouTube compilation of him just stroking the ball around, set to some kind of Tchaikovsky or something, and then uh, Vlahovic just slamming it in the net to um, a backdrop of Slipknot or something like that, I think. Uh, <laughs> Personal taste in him. I loved Vlahovic's finish, uh, the, that first one of the week. It was Absolutely. so sweet. It was so sweet. Just explosive. So I think it's a pers- personal taste. Personally, I uh, I like to see Vlahovic really, really putting his foot through the ball. I don't know what Francesco thinks. It looks like a slipknot fan. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, you know, I, uh, I think it depends on uh, the situation. I think in the area, you definitely want Vlahovic outside of the area. You know, Malarski's your man. He's uh, he's arguably got the best shots from outside the box in the whole division, I'd say, left or right foot. So, yeah. Yeah, Mal- Malinowski really can put his foot through it as well. I remember he scored a goal against Lazio. I think it was the first game back after lockdown last year. And that was an absolute rocket. So he can whack it. Don't worry about that. But, uh, yeah, they're both excellent to watch. Um now we're going to move on to just outside the top four, and that's Napoli. They, of course, came back this weekend to win 2-0 against Sampdoria, um, having lost that game against Juve. So, Francesco, what, what are your thoughts on Napoli? You know, bit of a bit of an underwhelming performance against Juve, but then pulled it back well against Sampdoria, who can be really tricky to break down. So, what have you made of their past week? Uh, yeah, I mean, the Juve performance was disappointing. And I do feel like they have a bit of a mental block when they play Juve. It's not just this game. You know, going into the game, they, I'd say they were slight favourites. They've been playing well. Juve have been struggling. And, you know, we just didn't see the Napoli that we've been seeing in the last few weeks or the Napoli that we saw at the weekend. They're on a really good run. Uh, you know, I've already said in the last 10 games, only, only Atalanta and Inter have been better than them. And um, I think... They, they just need to keep going. I think the Juve game was was a blip, and I really see them finishing the season strongly. 
Um, and I've, they've got a great chance of getting into, into the Champions League, I think. They're only, uh, you know, I think a victory on the weekend will get them back into the top, top four, regard, regardless of what happens in the other games, because Juve and Atlanta are playing each other. And um, I think if they do win on the weekend against Inter, they will be the favourites to qualify for the Champions League. If they don't win, I still think they've got a great chance because there's lots of points up for grabs and they are playing so well um, and picking up points. Like I say, the Uber game was a bit of a blip, but this last kind of six weeks, they've been really, really good and they've been winning a lot of their games. Um, I think one of, the, one of the question marks I have about them is just that Gattuso keeps, keeps selecting the right team. I think they are much better when they play a 4-3-3 with one striker. And the fact that all of a sudden he's got all his players back and he's got Ozyman and Mertens back at the same time and they're both doing quite well. They've both been scoring goals. You know, could could create some confusion, if you like, because I definitely think they're better when they play that 4-3-3 with a central striker. And I think he just needs to make a decision game by game on who plays. And I think if they do that, then they're going to they're gonna do really well in this uh, in this in these final few games of the season and they've got a great chance of getting into the Champions League. Yeah, it certainly seems it's going to be an important weekend for them. So we'll have to see how the table sort of lies at the end of this weekend. That that could be crucial. And of course, I think it's fair to say there's probably one more team in in the sort of Champions League hunt, and that's Lazio, who um who got another late winner on the weekend, beating Hellas Verona one nil away. Um, Raphael, they, they've had a habit of doing this, as we've spoken about over the last few weeks of getting these late winners. I think it's sort of maybe four times in the last half a dozen weeks that they've got winners in the 80th minute or less. Um, or, sorry, or, or, or later. Um, is that luck or, or do they deserve lots of credit for just going until the final whistle? No, there's definitely a lot of credit, you know, in terms of mentality, really, in terms of the fact that they do hold on until then and take their chances. I think especially, especially in the context that, you know, Immobile is not in the best of form. Their, their forward line generally isn't in, 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 in the best of form these days so you know the fact that they have managed to batten down the hatches in the way and keep a keep a solid defense going for those games and take their chances at the end is a testament to Inzaghi and his coaching so I wouldn't you know I wouldn't I wouldn't wouldn't say it's necessarily a bad thing although I mean there have there have been a few incidents where they really were pushing it in terms of um in terms of luck I think I mean, yeah, against Spezia, there was, um, I think the penalty that they got in the last minute was a bit contentious in terms of the the handball call there. So I mean, they they got they 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 got quite lucky there probably, but they like, all in all, it, it's a good show of sort of mentality and the fact that they are still in, in with a shout of potentially getting a getting a Champions League place is you know considering everything that's happened happened to them this season in terms of. Well, you know, COVID cases, that um, a Champions League run. It's, I would say, it's a pretty good result. The fact that they are still in the in with a shell. Yeah, they certainly seem to have uh, be gathering a bit of momentum at the moment, and uh, and their match winner this weekend was Milinkovic Savic, who um has has really had another strong season for them this year. Uh, I think he's got something like seven goals, nine assists now. Um. 
Francesco, where do you sort of rate him in terms of Serie A midfielders? Because I've seen today, again, he's been linked with, I think, Real Madrid, PSG and Man United. Um, you know, that seems to happen every summer. But um, do you see him as the best midfielder in the league, maybe second to Varela? Or is he, or is he a bit further down, in your opinion? Where, where do you stand on SA? Yeah, it's a, it's a good question. And I, I don't know that I know the answer 100%. Um, the thing about Milinkovic Savage is he's got quite a unique skill set. I, I think of him a little bit like a um, like a midfield version of Ibrahimovic because he is so good in the air. He's such a presence. He's really good at bringing the ball down, like often lateral. One of the outballs is just playing long off the keeper straight into Milinkovic Savage's chest, for example. He's really good at that kind of thing. And he is, for someone who is big, he's really good technically. Uh, you know, he does remind me of Ibrahimovic in, in that sense. Um, but thinking about, uh, you know, I, I, your question made me think about it, and I don't know that if I had to pick uh, the best midfield in the Italian league at the minute, he'd get in there. And I think on the basis of the season, probably the best midfielder, you've already mentioned him in the in this podcast, um, is Kessie. He's, for me, he's been Milan's best player. He's made a huge difference to their season. He's been the most consistent. Um, you know, he plays nearly every single game. He's a complete player. Um, and... Yeah, he's just had an excellent season. And I'd say on the evidence of this season alone, he's definitely been better than um, than Milinkovic-Savic. Um, but yeah, probably uh, there are a couple of others as well that I would pick ahead of Milinkovic-Savic if I was picking my, my all-star Serie A team. Yeah, I think that's a really interesting comparison with Ibrahimovic, actually, because I think someone was asking me the other day and they were saying that like his aerial duel stats are really good. And so I think someone, someone said to me, like, is he like a Fellaini type? And I was like, no, he isn't. He's he's really technically gifted, um, but he is also amazing in the air. So you're, you're right that it is. Obviously, it's really hard to compare him to Barella, who's about a foot shorter and is just like, this this guy who's all over the pitch, you know, Milinkovic Savic isn't that kind of guy, but when he gets on the ball, invariably he produces some quality. What well, what do you think, James? Does he get in your if you had a midfield three, does he get in what about a midfield three of Kessie Barella and Milinkovic Savage? Does that sound good? It looks good on paper, Sam. Looks good to me. Why not? Let's make it happen. No, I, I, I think he probably is. To be honest, isn't he? he? He has. He's got everything. He's got everything you want from from a footballer. Full stop. Really, he's got the tenacity as well. Um, yeah, I like him. I, I make a bold shout. He's certainly probably well. He's certainly not the best midfielder in the league. Um, and he's had quite a poor season. But I love watching uh, Castro Vili. I love watching him. I think he's absolutely superb. And Chesco's laughing. I think he's superb. No, um, I, you know, I love him as well. I think he's, uh, I, uh, he's great. He's from Bari as well, which is where I, I'm from. So there's a lot to like about Castro Vili. I think he's he's kind of underachieved a little bit. I'd say like all of the Fiorentina Tina Tina season. But yeah, you know, he's got quality. I. I was hoping he'd go to the Euros. I don't know if it's going to happen now, um, but we'll yeah. see. And you're right. Sorry, I cut you off. Carry on. No, that's all right. I thought it was a, a nice Barry accent. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean to, to be fair, I think uh, central midfield, if we're just looking at Italian central midfielders for a, for a second, that's their real strong suit. I mean, we, we haven't even mentioned the likes of Locatelli, who's been excellent at Sassuolo. Um, yeah. And of course, uh, you know, outside of 
it outside of playing in Serie A, I mean, you've got like Giorgino and Verratti. So, you know, but there's some excellent midfielders out there for Italy and, and also in Serie A, of course. So Malinovsky as well. I think he, I think he's Malinovsky, very Malinovsky. Yeah. And, and Matteo Pessina has had an excellent season, season that's slightly further forward. But yeah, some, some real standout talent in that central midfield area. Um, Zelinski as well. Yeah. yeah I was, Zelinski. Zelinski. I was yeah. And Ruiz. Both of those. I Abby think I'm, I'm picking... I'm picking Ruiz and Zielinski. Both of those guys ahead of Milinkovic-Savic, if I have to choose. I mean, if he'd have stayed fit, I think Ben Asser would be in and, in and around that as well. Yeah, that's a good shame. Him and Kessier is an amazing partnership. And, you know, if they'd have stayed fit, you know, it's all lifts and butts. But Milan, I think, would have been better this year than, than they already have been. Um, but we'll save that for the end of the season. Everyone can piece together their midfields for uh, when we do a sort of best 11 at the end. Um, but coming on to Lazio's rivals, and that's Roma. They've had a really good week. Uh, beat Ajax in the first leg of their Europa League tie and then beat Bologna 1-0 on the weekend. Raphael, what, what, what are your thoughts on Roma? We know they've struggled so badly in these big games this season, but they got it right against Ajax. How did they manage that? It just seems like they show up in the, in the big European games. They seem to turn it on on Thursday nights. And find that spark that they don't they don't get on the on the weekend. I mean, the game against Bologna. I, I don't know how Bologna didn't score for throughout the first half. They had so many chances and just somehow couldn't manage to finish off. And you know, they they outplayed Roma pretty much for the for the whole first half. I think they sort of waned off a bit in the, in the second half as Roma sort of took control of the game a bit more, but. I think yeah. I mean, the, Roma probably had an eye on the on the second leg, which is probably why they weren't at a hundred percent. But I think in general, the point still stands that Fonseca seems to be able to. Well, his management style seems to suit European football more than uh, more than league football, which is probably why. You know, the big in the big games in the league play, he hasn't been able to he hasn't been able to piece together any any decent performances. But in in Europe, it seems to it seems to it seems to come off. I mean, they were they were a bit lucky having the in the in the Ajax game. I think the you know they Ajax were playing better for the first first hour, I'd say. Then obviously you had the penalty save, which. You know, change the momentum of the game, and then you had that great, great winner from Ibanez, just smashed it into the top corner for the winner. Um, so I, I, I would expect them, you know, go, uh, heading into heading into Thursday, that, that they would get the job done, even even if they are playing against a very good Ajax side. I think that that they are they have been very resourceful in Europe this season, and. Yeah, I can I can see them, and it, you know it, it will probably harm their their chances of qualifying for the Champions League. You know, getting into the top four because they'll have they'll, they're the only Italian team to have other commitments aside from uh, aside from domestic. So, yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting to see if they if they do if they do go even further into the competition. Yeah, we're, we're going to touch on uh, that that second leg again uh, in in a few minutes' time. Um, but but now I want I want to sort of turn our attention to the the relegation battle a little bit more. 
Um, and uh, well, the best game down that bottom of the table was Spezia Crotone, uh, which was uh, I think the early afternoon game on Saturday. Uh, Crotone were winning 2 1 until late on, and, and Spezia got a couple of late goals to pull it out the bag 3 2. Um, Francesco, does that sort of pretty much definitely make Spezia safe now? And if they do stay up, does, does Italiano perhaps have a claim for being manager of the season in Syria, given the resources at his disposal? Uh, I think Spezia are safe. Yeah, I think I think they've got a lot of games left, and I'd be very surprised if uh, if they get relegated now. I think they're safe, and um, I think the point you make about Italiano is is a very good one because if you think about, it, I can't think of a manager who has kind of overachieved as much as he's done. Um, I, I suppose there's an argument for Conte. Uh, having you know taken into the, to the title, if they end up winning the title, then he'll be in the conversation. But really, Italiano with the team he had at the start of the season, he's uh, he's done a really good job. And also, I think he's kind of he's done it the right way. Um, you know, before Christmas, I remember we we spoke and especially were deep in the relegation zone, and they'd been playing this expansive football that hadn't really come off. They'd not been getting results, but playing some good stuff. And he kind of stuck to his principles. And they've been on a really good run in this uh, in 2021, and yeah, they're they're going to be safe now. It looks like, and he should definitely be in the conversation. Yeah, yeah, and a really good season for them. I think I think they're currently ten points clear of relegation now, so it would be quite a collapse, I suppose, for them to go down now. Um, but another team who pulled clear of the relegation zone this weekend were Torino. I know there's a couple of you who aren't particularly fans of their style of play, but uh, they did beat Udinese 1-0 with a Belotti penalty. Uh, five points clear of relegation. James, do you do you give them... I, I know, you, I think you've been quite bullish about their chances of staying up for a little while now, but do you now think they've got a really good chance of staying up following that result? I think, I think they will stay up. I've never really had any doubt that they would. Obviously, they might still go down, but I I think they've been unlucky this season, actually. I do. I think they've, I know I've said it a few times, like you say, they've, they've been hard to beat and they've just They've just lacked that killer instinct finish a game off. I think they've been a little bit unlucky, actually. Um, I think it'd be a massive shame um, for City A to lose Torino. It would be a massive shame. I think they really had something uh, to the league. It's a historic old club. It'd be it'd be a real shame to see them go. But I, I think the I think they'll be fine. Obviously, looking at the table, it's still a little bit tight, um, and they they're not safe yet by any means at all. But I think I think they'll be fine. Yeah. And uh, Imbalotti, of course, have got someone who, who will always turn up when they need him. He's a, he's a real fighter. Um, and yeah, I, I think they'll be fine this season. Bottom three for me is the bottom three as it, as it will stand. Um, yeah, I'm a big yeah. fan of Torino. I know they're not the greatest team to watch, but I think they'll be back. Um, and I think they just, they just need to keep their head above water. Um, and I think Nicola might, might, might get them going a bit next season. So imperative they stay up because I think they could be a bit of a surprise package next season. Yeah, it's been a, strange old, yeah been a strange old season for Torino. And, and you mentioned Belotti there. I think he's linked with about six clubs at the moment because I think he's had a bit of a stalemate. You don't think? I think he's had a bit of a stalemate with Torino at the moment. So uh, he's only got a year, man, le- he's, year, year left He's Torino. 
he was made for that team. He's he's not going oh, anywhere. I hope he leaves. Yeah, I, I think it, it'll, it'll be interesting because I think he, he's been linked with Milan, of course, and I think Milan are sort of eyeing up either Belotti or Blahovic. So yeah, either would be great. We'll see if they get either of those because they can't they can't rely too long on a forty year old Ibrahimovic with with his hamstrings and potty mouth. So uh, (laughs) (laughs) they've got to think outside the box a bit more. Um, Of course, we've got one other game from the weekend that was uh, that was played on Monday night. Um, Sassuolo getting a one nil win away at Benevento. I think most of you have sort of made it clear that you think it's going to be the current bottom three. But Benevento, are, are they safe for you, Raphael, or do they still need maybe one or two more results to, to just clinch their place in Serie A next year? I think they're probably safe, yeah. Especially when you look at their running, you know, it's fairly, fairly straightforward. They've got Genoa, Dinese, Cagliari, Crotone. You know, I think they'll definitely get a at least a few wins out of those. And, you know, it'll be, it, yeah, I would expect them to stay up. It'll be, it's really, it's a testament to, uh, to Inzaghi's managerial chops in a way. The fact that he has, you know, there has been a bit of investment into the squad, you know, from, uh, since they went up, the fact that they've, they've brought in established players like, like Camille Glick, for example, or Lapadula. But on the whole, you know, it, it is, it's it's not the sort of it's it's maybe the the quality of the team is relegation level if you look at it from a on paper from a, an objective point of view so i think the fact that he has got this far with that team is is quite impressive and it's you know it's great to see benevento do a lot better than in their last spell in serie a which you know clearly wasn't ended on a sour note i guess well, it was dreadful, wasn't it, to be honest? But, uh, but yeah, they made a better go of it this time. Um, and so that that wraps up the weekend's action. And so we're, we're now just going to quickly touch on that Europa League game. Uh, Roma at home now with a 2-1 advantage from the first leg. Francesco, do you expect them to hold out? Or, you know, I, I guess home advantage isn't really that much of a thing at the moment with no crowds involved. So... Do you, think, do you think they'll hang on or can you see Ajax pulling it back? I I can see. I think there's a chance that Ajax pull it back. I don't think it's a done deal. But, um, you know, Roma have got a few players back that they were missing in the first game. I think the main thing for them is just to cut out the mistakes because in the first game, you know, they gave Ajax a goal and then they gave them a penalty as well. That was both very avoidable things. Ajax need to score two goals. Um and I guess the other thing that Roma need to be careful about is that that just doesn't condition how they approach the game too much because, you know, Ajax are capable. Um, I think if they do score a goal, then it's going to become extremely tense. So they probably want to want to go out and try them to score themselves at Roma. I think that's probably a better approach. But yeah, I, you know, they've got a lead and they definitely can do it, Roma. I'm, I'm quietly confident, I think. And how about you, James? Do you see things the same way or, or are you going to go against... The grain, and perhaps say that Ajax are gonna are gonna pull it back. No, I I think Roma will be fine. Actually, yeah. I think they probably do need to score, and um, but I think I think they'll be fine. I think more pertinent question is is if they do go through, how do they fare against Man United? I, I I can't see them beating Man United over two legs. To be honest, I don't think they're, they're quite there. But 
that's for um, that's for discussion after Thursday. Really need to get through that. They might need to score, but I I can't see them slipping up. Okay, well, very interesting. Yeah, as you say, it looks like they probably will face United in the semi if they do get through. And you'd probably say the winner of that then goes on to win the competition. So um, we shall see. But but first, they've got to get past Ajax. That will be no mean feat. Um, and so then we're then going to look ahead to the weekend action. I know we've mentioned that we've got Atalanta Juventus coming up. We've got Napoli Inter coming up. Um so I'll come to you first, Raphael. Just what quick sort of predictions for those games? Who who do you see coming out on top in those two massive games at the top of the league? I think Juventus have shown that you know since that Napoli game that they are gonna that they can show up in the big games. And Atalanta aren't you know they're not the same beast as they used to be. So I I've, I would go for a Juventus, a slender win for Juventus in that game, and then. For Napoli into, um, I think yeah, it's it's going to be it's going to be a lot more open than a lot of people expect. I think we'll, I think we'll probably see a draw because yeah, a high scoring draw because I think Napoli are, you know, they've got the look of a team that can end an eleven game winning streak. Yeah, it'd be fascinating. Uh, you know, Napoli one of the best attacks in the league on their day, and and Inter. You know, over the last sort of three or four months, have shown they're the best defence around at the moment. Uh, just sort of going away from those, you know, top four clashes. Are there any other games that sort of catch your eye, Francesco? I know we've got Cagliari Palmer. Um, do you think the loser of that can pack their bags and head off to Serie B? Uh, yeah, I think that is a last <laughs> chance for them. But also, I think you know we just said how. Uh, the chances are now that Torino and Benevento are okay. I think Cagliari are actually playing quite well at the moment. If you saw them against Inter this weekend, they actually put yeah, in a solid performance. Yeah. Yeah. Some of their bigger players are starting to play better. Nainggolan had a good game. Godin, for the first time in a while, looked like a good central defender again. And if they, they have got some winnable games in the running, Cagliari. So if they do win on the weekend, you know, I still think they have a chance of staying up. So I think that is a big game. The other game I'd mention is... Milan against Genoa because Genoa have been playing pretty well recently. Um, you know, they haven't really got anything to play for, so they're playing with freedom. And I think there is quite a bit of pressure on Milan in this game because they know that at least one of their rivals, possibly more, are going to drop points this weekend. So it's an opportunity for them to, to you know, to make, make some ground up on their rivals. And I think, you know, they're feeling the pressure at the moment. So, yeah, that could be interesting as well. Yeah, and of course, Milan have had a bit of a habit of late at home, sort of going behind and having to, you know, scrap to get a point or a late win or something. So that that could be a potential banana skin. And and finally, you, James, any any sort of games sticking out to you? Or do you want to offer any predictions? I think you're one all in big match predictions at the moment. So can you can you go ahead with this one? I'll, uh... Yeah, I'll stay away from the predictions this time. Actually, uh, I'll leave that to Raf. Let's uh, he can have egg on his face this time. I think. <laughs> uh, I think Bologna, Bologna, Spezia looks a, looks quite an interesting an interesting tie. I think they're two. I know Bologna have lost the last two, uh, but they lost narrowly to. They're probably the better team for for most of the game against uh, Roma, and they gave into the match the the week before as well. So I think they're playing. They're in decent form, kind of performance wise, and Spezia are just. Uh, Fast becoming my favourite team in the league this season. I think they're they're a good watch, and I think with the 
safety more or less kind of confirmed. They The shackles might be off a little bit and th that might be a really good game. They will go ahead of Bologna if they win that as well and start looking more towards mid-table. So it's I think that's that could be a, one of those sleeper games that kind of uh, throws up a, an, in, an entertaining 90 minutes. But otherwise, yeah, all excellent games the boys have mentioned there. Lots of intrigue, lots of narrative. Um but I keep half an eye on Bologna this uh, this weekend. Yeah, sounds good to me. Could could well be a could well be a cracker. But uh, that that concludes the episode. So thanks a lot, guys, for joining me, and thank you everyone for listening. And uh, we'll catch you all again soon. Bye bye. <laughs>